Amen. You may be seated. Again, welcome back. Today we're going to be back in the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. Last week we saw Naomi and Ruth return to Bethlehem and we saw uh, Naomi's frame of mind as she comes back and the whole city is moved about her and not recognizing her. Uh, she tells them not to call her Naomi but to call her Mara because uh, the Lord has dealt bitterly with her and, and has overwhelmed her or has uh, sent her out full and brought her back empty. And today we are going to look at uh, the beginning of the turnaround of God providing for Ruth and Naomi, and we're going to see uh, God's hand in all of this and uh, Ruth's obedience in it as we study our series in Lessons in Obedience. So Ruth chapter 2 and verse number 1 says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they, be, they do reap, and go thou after them. Have, not, have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you today humbly seeking your face. Lord, we, we need your direction. We need your guidance. We need your truth. So, Lord, speak to us tonight or today. Speak to our hearts. Help us to see uh, through Boaz and through Ruth your love, your care. Help us to see the way that you would have us to walk. So, Lord, please guide and direct. Be with us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now here, the author of the book of Ruth, who uh, most attribute to be Samuel, uh, they attribute the book of Judges also, uh, but here the author chooses to introduce the kinsman. And as we have talked about in the first few lessons, as we look at the book of Ruth, we need to understand the pictures that we see in the book of Ruth. We know that Ruth is a picture of the church the bride of Christ. We know that Naomi is a picture of Israel, uh, the stubborn and rebellious child that walked away from God 
And we know that Boaz is a picture of Christ, the kinsman redeemer. So here the author chooses now to introduce uh, Boaz, who is the kinsman of Elimelech. And Boaz, as we're going to see throughout the rest of the book, is going to play the major part in bringing Ruth and Naomi back. Specifically Naomi, but uh, bringing Ruth along as well, back to the position that she was in before she left and went into Moab. This was the duty of the kinsman, but we also are going to understand that Boaz is not the next kinsman. He is not the nearest. But we also see in this passage that Boaz, uh, as a picture of Christ, is not only the kinsman that is going to redeem us all, but he is fully aware of everything that is going on. As he returns from Bethlehem, he finds a stranger in his field. Because he has an eye for detail. He knows who should be there and who shouldn't be. And his reapers tell him that she has been... Uh, so he immediately asks, wants to know who the damsel is. And, and they, they tell him that it's, it's Ruth, the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi. And then they go on to say how diligent she had been. And this matches up. We didn't read that verse, but it matches up with the report that he had gotten in Bethlehem of, of Ruth. Of her love and her care for her mother-in-law. But not only is he the kinsman and is he fully aware, he is full of compassion. Boaz goes and speaks to Ruth and instructs her to stay in his field and close to his servants. He also ensures her that he has instructed his young men to not touch her, to not molest her, to not bother her. I believe that this last statement comes from a place of knowing that she was a beautiful woman. And I believe that's probably why she caught his eye in the first place. But not only was she a beautiful woman, but she was a beautiful woman and a stranger in a strange land during a time where the majority of the people of Israel were not following God and therefore not a moral and upstanding people. Now, we haven't gotten... Uh, in our study in the book of Judges on Sun in Sunday school, we've learned just how quickly Israel walks away from God. And we know that the book of Ruth takes place during the time of the Judges, but we haven't got it, gotten into a lot of the immorality yet but we're going to get into that as we continue on in the book of Judges, uh, that it's rampant throughout the whole nation of Israel. It is likened even to the times of Sodom and Gomorrah when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and took out Lot. So I believe also that Boaz is making sure that he is protecting Ruth in this instance. This makes it even more compelling in chapter 3 when the whole city, the fact that the nation of Israel at this point is not moral, is not upstanding, is not following God, yet the whole city in chapter 3 knows Ruth as a virtuous woman. They see the difference. And that's important for us as Ruth is a picture of the church is that the world sees the difference. They see a life of obedience. They see a life of moral and upstanding people, a life that God is blessing, and they desire that. But the thing that we start to see here in chapter 2 is we start to see God's provision. As, again, the author has chosen now to introduce Boaz, and Ruth goes out to glean in the fields. Now, the gleaning is... Uh, something that God had provided for clear back in the book of Leviticus, but 
to understand the situation that they're in, we have Ruth and Naomi, two widows. Naomi, a, an older lady that really would struggle to work, and Ruth, a stranger in a land where she's not supposed to be, that have, and they have no means of supporting themselves. No means of gaining money to buy bread, no means of uh, getting the ingredients to make bread to feed themselves. But God had instructed back in Leviticus for Israel to provide for that. Leviticus 19. Let's turn back there. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I'm saying that for myself, not for you. Leviticus 19 and verse number 9. It says, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of the vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. So God had instructed Israel as they plant and harvest their crops that they would leave portions of it. They would leave the corners of the field standing so that those that were poor, the widows, the fatherless, the strangers could go and they could pick the corn or pick the crop. And they also instructed them not to go back and uh, go through the field with a fine-tooth comb and pick up every piece that fell on the ground. And when I was growing up, um, we lived out on a, a farm here just outside of town and Dad had the 48 acres that was pasture land and the land that the house sat on and my grandfather owned the 112 acres of farm ground around it. And every once in a while I would go out and help uh, my dad's cousins when they would harvest. And, but I would also go out and walk through the field after they were done harvesting and I was amazed at all the ears of corn and the, the pods of soybeans that would just be laying in the field. But the thing that they would do is they would fence off the field. They would put in electric fence and make sure the field was, was good and, and secure, and then they would let their cattle out there to graze and clean up the field. Here next week, when we're having old settlers, they're going to be having the uh, antique power show over in Marshall County, and they do a, a threshing demonstration, and, and they go through, and they've already baled hay off of the, the ground, but they go through with all the old equipment, and they thresh the wheat, and, and they bring it into sheaves and they go through the whole process but this was all done by hand and we know that the reapers that Boaz is hired are going through and they're trying to get as much as they can out of the ground they're, they're 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 trying to get as much as they can for the person that's hired them but God has instructed them to not go through it completely but notice in Leviticus that while God instructed Israel to leave that portion for the poor, for the widow, for the fatherless, he didn't, however, instruct them to reap it and give them a portion of what they've reaped. This is where the welfare system in our country has failed. In God's plan, you were able to, if you were able-bodied and wanted to eat, you had to work for your food. If you didn't have the means to support yourself, you still had to go out and go into a field and supply. At a minimum, you had to go out and gather what was left in the field after it was harvested, but 
God provided the opportunity for this to occur without fear, but it still required work. The old saying is, if you give a man a fish, he'll be hungry tomorrow. But if you teach a man to fish, you'll feed him for the rest of his life. 2 Thessalonians 3. 2 Thessalonians in the New Testament. 1 and 2 Corinthians. Then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Gentiles eat pork chops. Then first and second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians three and verse number ten. It says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any should not work, neither should he eat. Paul, the apostle, writing to the church at Thessalonica, is cautioning them against the welfare system. God's plan of provision provides satisfaction and appreciation because it requires work. It is far better to give a hand up than to give a hand out. And God knew that. And we're going to look at it a little bit tonight as we go through the book of John, but Christ is teaching this very thing to those that are following him because... They are following him because of what he's done and what they desire for him to do because they just want everything to be given. But we also see in God's provision, we see a guiding hand. Verse 3 that tell, tells us that Ruth, Ruth's hap was to light on a part of the field that belonged to Boaz. Now we know that, well, the word hap that the author uses is the word for is short of the word for happenstance or chance or coincidence. But those of us that are saved, that know the Lord, that, that have seen His hand in our lives, we know that nothing ever happens by coincidence. That she didn't just randomly go out and find that part of the field. God led her to that part of the field. God directed her and brought Boaz back at the right time to be in the right place so that they could meet, so that Boaz could be that kinsman redeemer, so that Ruth and Naomi could be provided for. And this is grace. Now, we've talked about it before, but grace is receiving something that you don't deserve, where mercy is not receiving something you do deserve. So when Christ went to the cross and gave us uh, gave his life for us. He showed us mercy in paying for the sin that we should be paying for. But he gave us grace in giving us that ability to believe in him and believe in what he's done, believe in that gift, and have eternal life. So here, God is showing Ruth and Naomi grace in taking them, knowing that they don't deserve what they've gotten. Ruth, again, is a Moabitess. She's cursed. She came from uh, a family lineage of Lot that was uh, drug out of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah and, and is, they were against Israel as in, Israel left Egypt and God has cursed them. God has said, don't give your sons to their daughters. Don't take your daughters to your sons. Yet here she is in Israel and God is blessing her. And Naomi as a child of God, as, as, as not a child of God, as one of God's chosen people who God chose 
through Abraham to give his light, to give his show his love and his care to the world, Naomi, who had walked away for over 10 years, who had ran from God during a time of famine, a time of trouble, a time of punishment, has now been allowed back. This is grace. But not only is God giving them grace and allowing them to provide for themselves, He is giving them grace and allowing Boaz to go above and beyond what he was supposed to do. You see, in all of our lives, we have duty and then we have ability. So many of us walk in duty. As we looked at the book of Jonah, we understood that Jonah, when he was told to go to Nineveh the first time, he didn't want to go. He hated Nineveh. He wanted Nineveh destroyed, so he ran. But then God caught him. God saved him out of the belly of the fish, brought him back out of hell, and put him back on the dry land. And Jonah went to Nineveh, and Jonah preached. But he did it out of duty. He did it because he had to, not because he wanted to. And we understand in the end of the book of Jonah that Jonah, as he preached in the city, repented and turned and loved God. Jonah sat on a hill and pouted, waiting for the city to be destroyed. Even in serving God, he didn't have joy. He was angry. Boaz, as we're going to see, we, we start to see it in the text that we read, but we're going to see through the rest of chapter three and, or chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4, Boaz is going to go above and beyond. Now, Boaz's duty was commanded that he leave part of the field, that he allow the stranger and the widow to glean in his field, to not pick it clean, but he allowed that to happen. But Boaz goes above and beyond. Boaz goes and speaks to Ruth. Again, someone he shouldn't be talking to. Someone he shouldn't be interacting with. We looked a couple of weeks ago in the book of John as, as Jesus went to Samaria and he saw the woman at the well and he shows her everything that, that he, she's ever done and she gets saved and the whole rest of the, the town gets saved. The Samaritans were not people that the Jews dealt with. And she even says that. You're a Jew. You're not supposed to be talking to me. You're not supposed to be anywhere near me. We see Jesus throughout Go to the lepers, go to the lame, go to the, the deaf and the blind, people that, that were considered unclean. Last Sunday night after service, we watched uh, another episode of The Chosen, um, season three that uh, is, they're going through and chronicling the life of Christ. And uh, there are some things that I don't agree, but they're starting to bring out some things that are very interesting. But the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years that came and touched the hem of his garment, the rest of the world saw her as unclean. They avoided her. They didn't want anything to do with her. Yet, Christ loved her. Boaz here is showing such a tremendous picture of Christ in the simple fact that he goes and he speaks to Ruth and he says, don't go to glean in another field. Stay here. Follow my reapers. Follow my maidens. 
I've given the command to protect you, to care for you, to provide for you. When you're thirsty, go drink of the water that the young men have already drawn. He's going above and beyond. Ruth asks Boaz why she has found this grace in his eyes and seeing that she's a stranger. And we're going to look at that next week as we really dive into the rest of this because there is so much in these next few verses that Boaz does that are just amazing. But we understand that she didn't deserve it. And we understand in our lives that we didn't deserve the grace that we got either. That while we were yet sinners, while we were at enmity with God, while we were His enemy and fighting against Him, and many of us not even believing that He existed, He died for us. He gave Himself for us. He showed us that mercy and that grace that we didn't deserve. And the thing I want to take away from this today is if God could do that for us, if Boaz can do this for Ruth and Naomi, why can't we do it for everybody else? Why can't we have the compassion and the grace in our heart be the first response. Boaz is going to go on and, and do amazing things far above what Ruth and Naomi could ever imagine. And God here is starting to turn Naomi's heart again back to him. She came in to chapter 2 bitter and lonely and worried and afraid and not knowing how she's going to survive. She was in a perfect place for her to exercise faith. And that's what it takes. We talked about faith yesterday afternoon and Faith is placing your full weight and trust in Christ, in, in anything. But the correct faith is placing it in, in Christ and what Christ did for us on the cross. And I, I, when we looked at it yesterday, we looked at that faith, that gift that God has given us in covering the gap between heaven and hell, between heaven and earth. But it's so much more than that. It's not just faith for salvation, faith for our fire insurance so we don't burn for eternity in hell. It's faith for life. It's not our first response to be nice, to be generous. For the majority of the world, the first response to anything is selfishness and pride. I've got to admit, that's where I was yesterday. I was hurt. 
because my pride was hurt. Because I missed the faith that God knows exactly what's happening. That God has a plan and a purpose. As we looked at in Sunday school, that whether I'm Stephen or whether I'm Philip, God had a plan for each and every one of those, for each of those, and God was in complete control. And in both cases, Philip in his preaching and saw many saved and many baptized and serving the Lord. Stephen didn't. But Stephen planted the seed in one man's heart. And Saul became Paul as he became a new creature. And we're still getting saved today because of him. Because of his words pointing us to Christ. Boaz, we know that we know the end of the story. We know that Boaz uh, chooses to be the part of the kinsman redeemer. He chooses to redeem all that Naomi had sold, that Elimelech had sold, and he chooses to include Ruth. And then he takes Ruth as his wife, and she has a child. Obed is born. Obed has a child and Jesse is born and Jesse has a child and David is born and God sees in David a man after his own heart and God has Samuel anoint David as the second king of Israel and it's through David and because of David's love for God that God promises that there will always be a man in the line of David sitting on the throne in Israel. It's through David and through that lineage that Christ is brought to this earth to save a poor wretched sinner like me to die and pay for my sins that he was raised from the dead and he is now ascended into heaven waiting for the command to come back and take us all to heaven we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring we don't know who that next person is going to be that's going to pick up where we left off and do even more. But we know that we have to follow in faith in order for that to be accomplished. Ruth and Naomi are walking in faith because that's the only thing they can do. Let's continue that today in our lives.